So this summer has been uh, alluded to, um, we were talking about, yes, Jesus loves me, with me underscored, because sometimes we think of God's love in sort of global ways, maybe not such uh, in, in uh, very particular and intimate ways as God's love extends to me, Tim Edwards, an individual. Um, and so uh, we're, 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 we're emphasizing God's love for each one of us. And today the message is God's love for you is costly. And, and some of you are going to say, well, actually, no, Tim, you're, you're off again. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. It, it costs me nothing. And, um, and, and definitely, in, in one sense, you're, you're very right. But we've also been singing about the cost to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the cost of discipleship, which uh, Bonhoeffer wrote about. And um, the fact of the matter is that we know that when we have uh, experienced the gift that Christ has given to us, um, we are more than happy to give up everything. Uh, we are more than happy to abandon everything for God. And so in a sense, it costs in that regard. But yeah, there's nothing that we can do or give to uh, receive this gift. It is an unsolicited gift. It is a, a gift of grace. It's unearned. It's undeserved. There's nothing that we can do to um, have the gift of salvation. And so when I was thinking about this idea of, of cost, expense, treasure, um, two stories that uh, are recorded in the Gospels in relation to Christ's experience came to my mind. And um, I wanted to uh, do scripture via video today. And um, I don't want you to be insulted, but these are children's videos. Uh, they're so cute. Um, but so effective, <laughs> so well done. And so the first instance I think of is when I'm thinking about expense and treasure and cost, I think of the widow's might. Let's just take a look at this and, and listen to the kids. And so you have this picture of, of a widow. and in, in biblical times, a widow would be in desperate situation, really. That's why repeatedly through Scripture and repeatedly through the New Testament, uh, Jesus and the disciples uh, said, make sure you take care of the widows and the orphans. And so uh, you have this woman who, uh, out of her extreme poverty, gives everything. And then we have the instance of this, this fellow who is affluent. Let's just see this video. It's quite a juxtaposition, isn't it? A woman who, out of her extreme poverty, gives everything. A, a young man, just, just, just that. <laughs> She's a, a, a widow. It's just her position in life, juxtaposed against against <coughs> against a young man who has. Not not only not only untold wealth, but has um, the fact that he's a guy going for him in that culture, right? The fact that he has good health, that he has years ahead of him, 
all of that stuff, and yet he couldn't give up stuff. Today, I, I want to talk to you about really something that has to do with motivation. Because in both of those instances, there was a different priority. For the widow, her priority was honoring God. And for the young, rich ruler, his priority was affluence. And so today we're not going to talk about them particularly, but we're going to talk about Jesus Christ and his priority. Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. Essentially, it is all his. Everything. And we see in him a willingness to give up everything for you. Paul writes in Philippians 2 something that really speaks to what Christ was willing to do, what it cost Christ to love you. To love you to its fullest extent. The, the true lengths of love. The true lengths, the extreme lengths that he would go to out of his love for you. We read in Philippians 2, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And there you have it. It's, it's really hard for us to appreciate what it cost Christ to do what he did in love for us. The next verses actually give us a little bit of an idea when we read, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus took on the very nature of a servant. He forsook his prerogatives as God, because he loved us so much. But as he did this, and as he conquered sin and death for us, God placed him in, at his right side and honored him for what he was willing to do for us in his love. It's hard in a you know 20-minute sermon to kind of talk about what it costs Christ to love you. To go to the nth degree. Greater love has no man than he would lay down his life. So what it would 
cost Christ to love us. But I'm going to hit on a few here this morning because I want us to understand how special we are to Christ and to his Father. So let's just consider some of the cost to Christ. Let's just think about prerogative again because I think that's really important. That's where these ideas come out of. Christ has prerogative. Prerogative is defined in this way, a right or privilege exclusive to a particular individual or class. Jesus Christ is God. He's got all the prerogative, right? He's got all the exclusive privileges of being God. Now, we have some privileges, some rights, right? If you have a driver's license, you have the prerogative to drive the streets of Prince Edward Island, all right? Um, if you're a parent, you have the prerogative, at some point you lose this prerogative, quite frankly, <laughs> but you have the prerogative to speak into the lives of your children, right, and give them advice. It's prerogative. But think of the prerogative that God has being God, that Jesus Christ has being God, right? And so I want to address what, he, what it cost him from that perspective of, Prerogative, because basically he surrendered his prerogative. He, he surrendered it to love us to the degree that he would lay down his life for us. And so this is the first thought that comes to my mind. God's love for you cost Jesus his prerogative to be rightly honored. Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise. Plain and simple. He is worthy of our praise. Even if he didn't do anything for you, <laughs> he is worthy of your praise. He is your creator. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy to be honored. But look how he was treated as he came to this earth. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? That's a low blow. <laughs> I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I, felt, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you're a demon possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, I glorify myself. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I'd be a liar, like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not 50 years old yet. Have you seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipped away from the temple grounds. You see, I am is how God himself identified himself to Moses at the burning bush. Moses said, who should I tell the Israelites is sending me? <laughs> Give me your calling card. And he said, just tell them I am who I am. 
It is I am who is sending you. And Jesus in this case says, I am. As the great I am, he is due. He is worthy of our praise. And yet, he came into our world. And besides not honoring him, they ridiculed him. And even worse, they accused him of evil motivations. And they accused him of being controlled by Satan. That's a cost to Jesus Christ. A cross, a cost that he was willing to pay because he loves you. God's love for you cost Jesus' prerogative to be served. You see, Deuteronomy says that we are called to serve God. It is the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands, obey, and serve him, and hold fast to him. That is Jesus Christ's prerogative, is to be served. But look what he did. Look how he responded. Jesus, at the Last Supper, which we've just remembered, when he had finished washing, washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do that. Jesus Christ gave up the prerogative of being served, which was his due, and became a servant, taking on the very nature, as we read in Philippians, of a servant. Think of this. Christ denied himself the wonders of his home. Not to go live a luxurious alternate life somewhere else, but to live a homeless life. I don't know if anybody here has ever been homeless. I certainly haven't. Jesus chose homelessness. In Matthew 8, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then the teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. Jesus Christ gave up the pleasures of his heavenly home. And chose homelessness because he loves you. God's love for you cost Jesus his prerogative to be treated justly. I think this one must hurt God the most. Must hurt Jesus Christ the most. Jesus being God is just. He is the author of justice. It is something that he is proud of. <laughs> it's an honor. It's an honorable thing to be just. 
And yet, he put himself in a place where he could not even expect to be given justice. He forfeited that right to be treated justly. At his trial, we read, once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis of a charge against him. The courts found him innocent. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here's the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And they released a convicted criminal. He was denied justice, even though he is the author of justice. I think, too, that he gave up his prerogative to exact justice, because Jesus Christ is the judge. We know that at the end of the world, Jesus Christ will judge the world. And so he forfeited his right to exact judges, ju justice. Just move on to the next slide. Next one. There we go. Exact justice. Look what happened. Luke records it. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out into him, uh, led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. He was blasphemed, maligned. He was ridiculed. He was not given a fair trial. He was not extended justice. And yet he withheld his right to exact justice. Because he could have at that moment. He could have. Some of them were sort of saying that. Oh, if you are God, they were poking fun at it. If you are God, you know, get down from there. But he didn't exact justice. He decided instead to go through with what he needed to do, which is consistent with him being a just God. He became the just penalty for our sins. You know, people get upset. They they kind of like, they blame God. <laughs> you know, they blame God when bad things happen. And, and the thing is that Scripture teaches us that, that, that we, we deserve death. <laughs> he withholds justice. But there are times when he exacted justice. I remember that couple that held back some of the money that they 
They sold a lot and then they made it look like they were given all that they had earned to the church. God exacted justice that, that day and it was entirely his right to do so. He struck them dead. He said, well, that's not fair. Well, it is if you're God. <laughs> None of us, you know, for some reason we have this idea that we all, you know, should get a, a fair shape or something. Truth is that we don't deserve a fair shape. We've abandoned God. We have broken with God. And God withholds justice. But sometimes he doesn't. He exacts that justice. Have you ever thought about the fact that God's love for you cost Jesus his prerogative to unbroken communion with his Father? We don't really understand or appreciate the communion that exists within the Trinity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it, it, it is... By all accounts, according to what we read, just a wonderful harmony of love. Keller calls it a, a dance of love. It's a beautiful thing. And yet, we read that at Christ's crucifixion, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land, and about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that that was that momentary turning away of God the Father, an interruption in that harmony of love because of what I'm going to say next. That the perfect, righteous, and pure Jesus Christ has the prerogative to be known as pure and holy and perfect and just and all the beautiful things. He has the prerogative to be disassociated with sin but we read in, in 1 Peter 2, they hurled their insults at him. He didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threat. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body. Did you hear that? He himself bore our sins in his body. He became associated with our sins. The, per, the pure, the perfect, the righteous one became associated with with our sinfulness. This is not within what is his prerogative. His prerogative is to be treated as pure and holy. But he took upon himself our sin. And finally, we know that his love for him cost him his very real life. He bled real blood. He experienced real pain. He gasped for air as his body collapsed on his lungs. He died a real death because by doing so, he could give us 
eternal life. And so Jesus gave up his prerogative to life. Ephesians 5, Paul writes, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. He's, he did all of this for you. He gave up all of this for you. His right to be honored, his right to be served, his heavenly home, his right to justice, his right to exact justice, his, his right to communion with his father, his, his good, sinless reputation, and his very life. He was willing to give all of that up. That was the cost to him of your salvation. God's love for you is costly. It costs Christ all of that and more. I love the fact that Paul makes it very personal when he writes the Galatians. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. If you struggle with God's love for you, consider the cost to Christ. What it has cost him. Perhaps it will help you understand the depths of his love for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful story of love. It's epic. It, it reaches from before the creation of the world and into eternity. Your love for us. And Lord, we know that it costs you dearly. But you were willing to endure the cost, the cross. And all of the other things that have been mentioned this morning, you were willing to do that. Because you love us. And, and there was only one thing that could be done to really fully, completely express your love for us. And you were willing to do that. You are willing to pray that price. And thank you. And thank you so much. Help us to never take for granted what it cost you. What it costs for us is nothing in comparison. It's a gift. And we thank you in Jesus' name.